for so long, I was seeking love in other people and someone else because we were conditioned with this lie. Human beings were conditioned with a lie. We were conditioned with the lie that we need someone else to complete us. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Wait Holds Up, a podcast where we talk to homegirls, experts, and others to help us live our most authentic lives. I'm Jessica, and Yarel is currently helping her father get the COVID-19 vaccine. So shout out to all of y'all who have gotten the vaccine or who are helping your parents or other viejitos and loved ones in your life um, get the vaccine because, honestly, that's the most important thing. But nonetheless, we're super excited about today's episode. Today we have best-selling author Martha Michelle. And if you're familiar with her poetry and her prose, she is just an absolute force. She writes love. She writes about love in such a familiar manner, but also in such a way that like I know I personally could never capture it. So it's just one of those things that I always fall in love with authors who can capture our feelings and remind us of, you know, ways that we can love ourselves better, what heartbreak can really teach us. And this conversation with Mirta is exactly that. You know, we talk a lot about self-love and what that looks like and the myth of what of the myth of who the soulmate is supposed to be in our lives, the ways that we can learn from heartbreak. Um, you know, there's a lot of personal stories that she shares from her past of, of past lovers and, and things that she's learned from there. But I think also she just talks about being like a dynamic woman and what and how you can carry that um, and be a multi-hyphenate woman, which I just love that 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 phrase um and i'm going to definitely be using that so this conversation is awesome we can't wait for you all to listen to it there are a couple of call outs that we want to just mention um and one is that that we mentioned the power of journaling versus therapy and we definitely don't want to discredit therapy y'all know i love me some therapy so we recognize that everyone has their own healing journey and different things work best for different folks so i just want to call that out also you may notice some glitches in the audio at times because during this interview i had the worst wi-fi connection and i kept breaking out so if at times I sound like I'm a little bit in outer space. Um, that's why, just so y'all know. That's all, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Martha Michelle.
Well, Martha Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Wait Holds Up. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're so happy to have you. Uh, you know, we know you've been doing so much for in, in your career. There's so much going on. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for making the time for sharing a little bit about your journey and your poetry as well. Well, you know, we wanna start from the beginning. Well, maybe not beginning, beginning, but we do wanna take a step back and understand a little bit about how you came to this point in your life. So you were born in the Dominican Republic, raised in Florida, and you wrote your first poem when you were six years old, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it wasn't a three-page poem it was a small poem okay so what was it about it to be honest it was about dominican republic my family had just moved to we had just moved to miami when i was five years old and it, it was about uh the sea and the boats i i was born by the water in dominican republic the passion for poetry began at six years old and it developed throughout the years. Uh, by the time I was seven, eight years old, I was already writing my diaries. <laughs> and then by the time I was- Standard, standard. I, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, and by the time that I was 12, 13, I was in high school and I was already writing poems and handing them to my English teacher so she could edit them for me. Wow. <laughs> As you're saying, like, you know, you're six years old, there's this very um, abrupt transition in your life and all of this happens and you find a way to process what it is that you're feeling. And so many of us are now paying a lot in therapy to understand our childhood trauma, but you were processing your childhood trauma. I was very young. True. You know, it's funny because I actually, I just taught a workshop, uh, my first uh, creative writing workshop, and I had the attendees um, do an exercise. And the exercise was to, it was for journaling and I asked them to write a deep secret that no one knows, something that they've been carrying. And I was explaining the importance of journaling for your own self, that it's, it's the same learning yourself and going to a therapist, journaling, it equals itself because you, by journaling, you're doing the same thing a therapist is doing, asking questions. Uh, responding to the answering the questions you are analyzing afterwards once you reread it and I and I was like you know how much money people can save on therapy <laughs> if they actually just attempted to do the work on their own mm -hmm. but at the same time I understand why it's important to have someone else um, someone Help else you guide, you. guiding mm -hmm. I mean I I pay for a trainer, so I understand. I could go to the gym by myself, but yeah. I, I need a trainer, you know? So it's like, I understand. And I think it's extremely helpful, but di having a diary at such a young age really, really enforced that as a habit for me because it's mm -hmm. all about creating habits. And it was something that was that became natural. I always say that just the same way a child always wants to sing or maybe play a certain sport 
or you know they have their hobbies that they can't live without and eventually a lot of these hobbies become careers or you know these passions become careers because I consider myself very lucky that I get to make art for a living right so you know you said you, you, you continued writing through high school um i'm thinking also from things that you were living from things that you were experiencing when did you when did it happen to you or when did that thing um i don't know change for you that you like i want to dedicate my life build a career share uh my my poetry well i think um that that switch happened in my late 20s i um i always knew i was going to publish a book since i was seven years old I always knew I was going to publish a book. I had that in mind, but my life, my journey has taken many different shifts, many different routes. And, but always in the entertainment, uh, in the entertainment artistic realm. I, I got into television when I was a teenager. I thought I wanted to be uh, an entertainment host on TV. Then I, fell in love with acting uh, my first year of college. And I was like, okay, this, I wanna continue studying theater. And then I realized, oh, I'm gonna move to LA and pursue a career in film and TV. And meanwhile, I was always writing. I was always writing. I was always reading books on writing. I was always nurturing that side of, of my career, right? and. But I always had this misconception that I believed that I, for me to get to that point of me publishing a book, et cetera, I had to sort of become successful in another area of my career simply because you didn't, 10 years ago, you didn't hear so much about, about poets and modern poets, right? Contemporary poets actually selling books and I thought, okay, I have, to, I have to do something else. And that could be sort of like an art project that I get to do. And I eventually did it and it became a, a big success. My book became a big success that it allowed me to say, wow, I could actually live from this if I continue doing it, if continue focusing on it. And then I realized, you know what? You can do everything you want. Why always live according to other people's ideas and and the conditioning that ha- we've been given since we're children, right? The world evolves. There's people right now on the cover of Vogue that would have never been allowed to be on the cover of Vogue 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. So the world continuously changes. What needs to change is people's uh, perspective of the world and how much they believe in themselves, their self-confidence. I, I, under, I learned that the hard way. I realized, wow, I could do multiple things. I could be a multi-hyphenate woman. I could be an artist and I could be a businesswoman. And I, and I started believing that and I started believing it to the point that I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Was there a practice that you've implemented in order to get to that space? Because I think what you're talking about is like the limited mindset and Mm -hmm. 
so many of us struggle with that, right? Because to your, to your point, in, in many ways, it's almost like ingrained in society. It's like, don't ask for too much. Don't be focused, focus, you know, pick your lane, all of those. Um, and I feel like, especially a lot of women are not given that privilege or been nurtured in that way to actually think of like all of the things that they can do and who they can become. So, you know, was it journaling? Was it writing affirmations every day? Was there a practice that you did? And do you like feel like, okay, it took me X amount of time to get to that point where I really felt like I don't need, this isn't a struggle for me to tell myself this anymore. Yeah, you were in a flow. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I grew, the way I grew up was very interesting. Both of my parents are artists who had real jobs (laughs) and they imparted that love of art at home. And it was always supported. My parents have always supported every, everything I've always wanted to do in life. And I'm so thankful for that because I'm lucky. I consider myself lucky. Um, but I still grew up very conservative and very conditioned to that Latin mentality that I feel is somewhat set back in time. I feel like that most most of our countries are 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 still behind by decades in terms of mentality. I realized that by me growing up in the States, I was given an opportunity to be exposed to other kinds of people that allowed me to start thinking outside of the box I grew up in. And I allowed myself, I was fearless in that sense that I, I wanted to learn more about the world. I, there's, there's girls that I grew up with in Miami that never really travel, never have gone out. They ended up marrying their high school, college sweetheart, and they, it's, they're happy. It worked for them. Everyone's, everyone's, I would say everyone has different dreams, right? I always knew that I, I wanted more. I wanted to see the world. I wanted more. And, and I think it's that restlessness that always, that always inspired me to write because I needed to get it out. I needed, I needed to express myself. Mm-hmm. And so because I was raised in that, in that way, that duality, the artistic is supported, yet I, am, I was conditioned to think how life is supposed to be in a more small-minded um, capability. I, I had to go through a lot. <laughs> for me to get out of that. I had to go through a lot. And, and it was, it was also difficult because you don't want to feel that you're doing something wrong. Like, you know, it's like a a lot of our, 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 um, our mentality is, you know, for me, at least it had a lot of religious influence and I needed to get out of that box and, and I needed to find my soul's essence, who I really am, not who I was told I am or what I was told to be. I needed to understand what is it that made me happy? What is it that made me complete? And it, it took, you know, it's still a journey, to be honest. 
I'm in my 30s and I'm and I'm still constantly discovering um, areas and, and things of, of my personality and my essence. Um, so I don't think you ever stop discovering. Uh, but I but it had it was a process. It was such a process. Mm -hmm. And some bad things had to happen. A lot of times people want to want to um, grow, but they don't realize that growth is painful. Yes, it has to rain. <laughs> the plant needs to be watered for it to grow. And and I went through some difficult moments, but all those moments ended up in strong realizations. And, and these lessons um, are what truly made me strong and made me understand that I am my biggest obstacle. Mm. The self-doubt that I inflict on myself is the biggest obstacle. So it's, it's an everyday process trying to knock down that self-doubt and right. in replacing it with confidence right. and with positive That's affirmations. That's, that's so crazy because I mean we talk a lot about it here on the podcast too like I, I always say this like it's so hard for me to get out of my own way sometimes right like it's it's just a an idea that we all deal with in, in our respective fields of work with like you say dealing with these dualities living in that hyphen of being um, who you are um, and, and I'm just curious it's like you know you, you talk about the journaling which I, I also want uh, want for you to give us some tips on like the journaling uh, because that's something that I've struggled with but in terms of the vulnerability right and you sharing um, your poetry and you sharing how you felt and, and all these things that you were going through um, how was that when did when did that you mentioned being confident and being you know finding different layers of yourself but how did you cultivate that um, and, and be okay with others to read the things that you were feeling and going through. So I, um, when I first started writing um, poems at 12, 13, I started sharing them with my close friends. And I became used to, every time I would write something new that I loved, I would share it with my friends. Up until my 20s, I would email them to certain friends of mine and certain friends always had the first look and it was comfortable with them obviously <laughs> because they're close <laughs> friends but yeah it 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 definitely took some convincing for me to understand hey especially because of how I marketed my first book I took advantage of the social media aspect of things and in the rise of social media of Instagram and I began sharing my poetry on the platform I at first I was afraid people were going to judge me of course that's a normal uh, a normal feeling a normal feeling I had some friends especially one of my friends that she she encouraged me to continue doing it she continued to tell me you need to do it because as of right now people didn't know that that you're a poet mm -hmm. so how do you expect to release a book and no one's gonna know <laughs> they're, they're gonna be shocked right because at that moment i was just focused on acting so and it's interesting because now people know me as a poet and they don't know me as an actress mm -hmm. it's interesting how life is 
So I, I was like, you're right. I need to continue. I need to continue sharing it. And, and I think that because I started receiving some positive comments and positive messages, I felt more comfortable. And, and two years later, I was publishing my first book. I realized that I had purpose in, as, as a writer, as a poet. And it's interesting because I always tell people uh, my definition of purpose is always what your contribution is to humanity. And a lot of times, especially when you're very young, you think that your purpose is aligned with your livelihood, right? And, and it's not necessarily the case. I kept on always wondering what my purpose was as a young girl. And, and I always would think, well, it has to be with my career, et cetera. And, and that's, that's not true. It's another lie that the world has, has uh, told us. In reality, purpose is your contribution to humanity. And I realized that although I had, I had experienced some highs and some great highs in my career in front of a camera, I realized that it didn't fill me. It didn't, it didn't fulfill me past, past a couple of days, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I realized that when I published my first book, I understood my purpose was to give back to, to people, especially to women, and to contribute for someone else's growth. And I, then that's when my, my, my life changed in that, in that period of my life. That's awesome. Um, love that. And I really, truly, truly love your definition of purpose. Um, you know, in speaking about your first book, I think one of the things that intrigued me the most was how personal and vulnerable your stories were. They were so um, raw. <laughs> they were like unedited raw, like here. <laughs> I was like, the one in particular was the one about you writing about your ex who cheated on you with another girl in the cabin. Like, oh my God, yeah, that that was the chapter forgiveness. I was twenty one years old when that happened to me. And so, when you wrote that, I mean, the first question in my mind is like, did this dude ever read this story? Do you know, yeah. funny. <laughs> I wrote about three boyfriends in that book. The rest were were family members and <laughs> three of them extremely proud of me extremely proud two of them the ones that got the most letters because that one that letter that you're you're mentioning mm -hmm. um is he only it, he only got one letter in the <laughs> book he only yep. got that yep. one letter, that's it and um and he i know he didn't read the book I ran into him one night at a restaurant here in Los Angeles and he was just, he was bragging about the book to the person who he was with. And he was just saying how proud he was of me and et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And that's how he's always been. Whenever I ran into him, 
And it was just so funny to me because I'm like, wow, you've never read this book. You don't know what I <laughs> You don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, my God. And then the other two, then the other two uh, just went around saying that the book was about them, like individually. I was like, oh, my God. That is, that just sounds like men responsible. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, of course, you're talking about how all of these yeah, yeah. connect with you and they feel like you're giving voice to their own stories. And these dudes are like, she wrote a book about me. About me. Yeah. Typical. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was, I'm just curious because I, I love that you're sharing. I love that you used, you know, obviously your writing, your poetry to also um, you know, let go of, of the things I'm sure that you were feeling in terms of a heartache and relationships. And throughout, throughout all these, all these years of you writing, uh, Mirtha, um, you know, what have you, what are the lessons, you know, what's the clarity that's come, that's risen for you in terms of relationships um, and in regards to, to dating and to being with men? Honestly, I feel that in general, human beings, are meant to have relationships. I'm talking about relationships, not just romantic. I'm talking about about um, every kind of relationship. We are meant to have relationships because human beings trigger us. That's the way we grow. That's the way our soul evolves, by growth. And we can't do that if we're alone. It's like, who's going to piss you off? for you to have to work on yourself or who's going to hurt you um, for you to work on yourself if you're always alone. So I, um, I feel that all of my romantic relationships have just taught me more and more about myself, about who I am and the woman I want to be because I feel that I'm, I'm not going to stop learning as long as I'm alive. But you know, it's taught me amazing qualities. Um, and I, I share that in letters to them and I have loved actually. Every, every uh, letter was a certain quality I learned about through these men. You have forgiveness, you have shame, you have resentment, you have anger, you have perseverance, you have love, you have passion, you have lust. Um, all of these were, are, are things that I was, emotions that I was, that I self-reflected on because of these experiences in my life, because of these stories. So I feel that, that romantic relationships, that's the entire purpose of them. Mm -hmm. And many people get to procreate, <laughs> but nowadays you need a romantic relationship, right? To procreate, I feel that that I feel that that for me in my in my life, I feel that it's just taught me more about myself and about the the love I was seeking. I I feel that that for so long I was seeking love in other people and someone else because we were conditioned with this lie. Human beings were conditioned with a lie. We were conditioned with the lie that we need someone else to complete us. Hmm. And it all started thousands of years ago. Right. And it, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with um, Plato's myth on the soulmate. Yeah. 
about how um, the gods created human beings and they were, they had four legs and four arms. And because they were so self-sufficient, God said, the gods, Zeus, whatever uh, the Greeks believed in, um, he, he divided them. He struck them. Zeus struck them and, and divided them in two. And so that's why you have two parts of everything, in other words. And, and human beings are constantly looking for that other half to complete them. I thought that that, that story is beautiful. That myth is gorgeous, right? It's, as a romantic, oh my God, I would read this and, and believe it. And I'm looking for my other half person. That, but the thing is that then I would meet so many men. <laughs> as I was little and no one completed me Mm. (laughs) until I realized all the love you seek is already within you. Relationships are an add-on. They are an add-on to, to not to complete you. They're an add-on for, for your life, for you to enjoy your life and for you to learn from life. Not every relationship is meant to last 30, 40 years. That's the reality. Some relationships are, were only meant to last two, three, four, five, six, seven years. And some people don't even experience that many years with someone that impacts their lives. Sometimes it's a romance of a summer and it changes them forever. I, I feel that we keep on trying to live supernatural experiences because that's what love is. True love is a supernatural experience. Anyone that has been in love knows that that moment of falling in love is the biggest high in the world. It's it's just, it's complete ecstasy, right? And so everyone knows that, that that can happen in any moment. And that can happen to someone right away with someone or it can never happen to someone in 30 years of a relationship. So I realized, wow, I've been so lucky that I have experienced that, but didn't work out because it wasn't the right, um, we weren't compatible to make it last for 30, 40 years. My parents have been married for I think 41 years now. Yeah, 41 years. And they get along great. They, I already, I, I always saw a, a, a great example for a marriage, but I always understood, my God, it was a different time. It's a different time that people were conditioned to depend on each other. Women are different nowadays. You don't need to depend on a man to survive in the world. If you really think about it, up until the 60s, women were most likely worldwide and dependent on a man. Mm-hmm. I'm also just thinking that there, the way that we have look at relationships has to evolve um, because the idea that one person can be everything for you all of the time mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Right. And we've been, you a fairy know, tale. It, yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's like, it's, it's sold in fairy tales. Disney pushes it. We see it in movies time. And I time always again. say, why is it that we never see after in a, imagine a Disney film or a Latin soap opera or a, a, anything on television. We never see what happens after. Never, never. After, we never see it. The mm -hmm. soap opera always ends when the, happily the ever protagonist, after. the happy ending and end mm -hmm. up getting married. Disney, same thing. Absolutely. It, that's how we were conditioned to think, especially women. And there's it's so really many great. other relationships that are fulfilling for us. And right. it's like when, you know, you know how like most of your girlfriends, right? When they first start dating, they are like all about that person. When your girls are like first dating, they're all about that person. And you kind of like yeah. don't see them for like the first six for months. months. Right. <laughs> I was never like that. Oh, I, I know. I, I am. I, I know I, so I, many people that. that are like that. I've been that person and I've definitely I've seen been that, that person. person. Yep. And when I've come up to breathe, I'm like, oh shit, I, I, I'm missing something. I need something. And it's because I've only been in this one space and it's great. It's the falling in love phase. It's there's the you know, ecstasy. The, yeah, I don't yeah. want to be around anybody else, but then you come back up for air and it's like, oh, I miss my girls. Or, you know, I miss this, the part of me, maybe like, even like it can sometimes shut down ambition, right? Like I was working on a project and then mm -hmm. I stepped away from it and you've got to come back to yourself. And that's what I love about, you know, your book, because one of the like lines that you're, you know, describing it is one woman's account of her longing to know herself fully. And that is, I think, something that I relate to. I, I agree with Jess in, in the sense of like, getting lost in relationships, um, you know, figuring kind of like your life out when things don't go our way. And I think this is something that I, I'm pretty sure so many people I ask feel about. So many I, of us have done that. I feel even if you think you haven't, you have. I, I, I was always, um, I always had a strong personality. I've always had a strong personality, but I, even me, I, given a hundred percent to a relationship to the point that you know when you're living with someone you start a business with someone it's like everything was this person the only thing is that i we had we created a similar circle of friends so i felt that i never i never got rid of my friends because we would all hang out together and we were we were aside from being uh partners we were we we're best friends too, and we maintained um, the same circle of friendship for years. So, but that was also very hard breaking up with someone and, and a bad breakup, and then then you you lose out on a friend too, right? It's, right? it's really difficult. But I think that that obviously we've all been there. I I think it's it's more about really taking the time to to learn yourself because the reason why it's so easy for other people to become so um involved in someone else's life and put their own life aside is because their identity is not as strong as it should be because if your identity is is compact it's strong you don't you don't you wouldn't allow too much leeway there you know who exactly who you are. And we see this a lot with, I see it a lot with, 
young women because you're still finding out who you are you're still discovering yourself and and it's easy to be molded by someone else yeah your, your taste becomes his taste becomes your taste right um, whoever you know whoever you're you have a romantic relationship with everything that that you do everything you like how you dress everything becomes synonymous with this other person so then when you break up i talked about that in letters to the men i have loved it's like then when you break up what happens like you don't even know who you are anymore right like finding yeah find and and i mean going back to what jess was saying like being in that position being on the other side with friends also there kind of like finding yourself again realigning your life um, you know, and, and not just with with romantic relationships, I feel, because you also talk a lot about, you know, and, and, you, and even with the things you share about friendships and other relationships, like, how have you learned to deal with a broken heart? Is it through the writing? Is it through getting away from the writing? I think the writing for me has helped me. That's why I always motivate people to journal, even if no one ever is going to read your thoughts. I think it's important to release your thoughts, to express yourself, to, you could write them down or you could talk about them with someone. But sometimes I feel that it's easier to write them down simply because there's no judgment there. It's just you and the paper. And even if you go to a therapist, you're going to think, oh, what is the therapist going to think of me? And when you write things down, you're able to release what you're feeling and becomes a cathartic um cathartic and and for me dealing with heartbreak wow i feel that i feel that there's so many levels to heartbreak first of all i feel heartbreak is technically disappointment you're disappointed in someone um or a situation that didn't pan out the way you wanted it to and I think that there's many exercises, many things that you can do to help you heal from it. But overall, I think time, time, time heals. I think time heals. And if you actually pay attention to the wound, if you do the work, if you realize the lesson, if you learn the lesson in the heartbreak, because every heartbreak has a lesson. Every heartbreak has a hidden lesson and you have to learn what was the reasoning be, behind this occurring in your life? You have to constantly put yourself in that person's shoes and get yourself out of the equation, see, seeing it objectively. And I think that's the hardest part because people don't like to, to work on themselves. People are lazy. People rather um, occupy their minds with frivolous things simply because they don't want to pay attention to their pain mm-hmm. and and it's always going to come back around i always say the best thing i ever did was beginning my healing process after that big breakup i had because not only did it make me stronger but it also made me wiser to know exactly what I wanted, not just in relationships, but out of life. Mm 
I, I learned what kind of people I wanted to surround myself by. And it prevented other heartbreak because guess what? I realized, hey, these are my non-negotiables. These are the qualities that I'm looking in some and looking for 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 a partner. And I I went into different relationships after that that person. And they haven't lasted years or anything, but I was able to know within the first year, I don't think this is for me. I can move on before it gets deeper. Um, I care about this person, but I don't think we're, we would be a really good match to raise children. You know, you start asking yourself these questions, but the thing is that a lot of times people just let things go forever without dealing with it. And the reason why I took that time to heal, uh, people don't know how to be alone. And I was one of those people. I was always jumping from one person to another. And I was never taking the time to heal from the the traumas that have happened that have occurred in my life. And I realized I could spend my entire life hopping from one relationship to another. What about the relationship with myself? That's the most important relationship. And when I realized that, I started not thinking about, oh, but I'm alone. No, I'm not alone. I'm I'm surrounded by amazing friends, family. I started changing my perspective. That's why I always say it's all about perspective. This pandemic, it's all perspective. And I started changing the way I perceived my life. And instead of me paying attention to what I lacked, I started paying attention to what I do have. And, but in the romantic sense, I was like, I'm not going to date anyone for a minute. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to work on my, my soul, the self. And I realized that that's why all of those breakups had to happen. The heartbreak had to happen because I wasn't really learning from lessons when I had to. I was repeating the mistakes, different, different man, same mistakes. And would you, would, with everything that you're saying and like, you know, learning and growing, um, what advice through everything, through through it all, what advice would you give yourself, your younger self, the, the, the Mirta before her first book in, in everything you've lived and all your, in all your, and everything you've shared in your books? I think the advice I would give my younger, younger self in terms of um, life advice, I'd say don't force things. What's meant for you is meant for you. You don't have to force it. You don't have to force it. And I think we, um, we take, we confuse being tenacious and persistent to forcing things. It, It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be when, and I realized this about love. When someone really truly wants to be with you, they're going to be with you. The couples that stay together are the couples that still want to be together. Mm. Even if they have problems, they right. have a desire to be together. They so work through I, them. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I, I learned. I, in my last, uh, from my last relationship, I, I didn't even 
It was interesting because I'm the one who broke up with him, but because I felt that he was checking out and I felt I'm going to talk to him about this and see where, you know, how he feels, but I not once decided to force things. If it was up to him, we would have stayed together and maybe he would have began cheating on me. God knows. Because he was already in that place of some success had gone to his head and he wanted to experience certain things that he hadn't experienced before. And I wasn't an obstacle because at the same time I helped him become what he had become. But at the same time, I was an obstacle because he was in a relationship and he wanted to be single. And although maybe he didn't say it to me, his actions were showing me that. And it made me extremely unhappy to the point that I had to make that decision for myself. It's like, how many more times do I have to be crying in the bathroom so he wouldn't see how miserable I was? And we never fought, we never argued. So it was never that kind of relationship that we had, we had um, arg big arguments like that. So I made that decision for myself and I don't regret it till this day. What I, the pain, the more the pain came from the things he did after the breakup. He tried to hurt me really badly. He tried to hurt me really badly and the humiliation and, and the number of things that he did um, was what made the breakup more painful. But I had, I always knew that I wasn't going to force anyone to stay in a relationship if they didn't want to stay in it because right. who are we to force people? Who are we to love people? I, in letters to them and I have love, I have a poem that it was for him. I, and it, it says something along the lines of who was I to think my love could keep you? It's like, I gave you my love. I gave you this, I gave you this, but who was I to think that my love could keep you? You can't, love is not possession. And I learned that from that relationship. Love is not possession. You can have a child and you don't possess your child. You can birth your child, give your child everything, and you don't own your child. When I understood that, I was like, wow, this was the, one of the biggest lessons I had to learn from this relationship. Mm -hmm. I learned to love better. I learned what true love was about, that love isn't, true unconditional love, which is the hardest type of love, is the love that we should strive for, but few of us, achieve um it it's about giving without expecting a return it's about selflessness mm -hmm. and right. we're not always taught that mm -hmm. because our parents weren't taught that and, right. and before them you know our grandparents weren't taught that either and, and these are all like like the things i feel like come up right in in the things that we experience in you know what like you say like the love we give the triggers that other people kind of you know we feel when we're around um other people and i love that you shared you know a, a little a little poem because we wanted to end the podcast we wanted to end the conversation uh one with you know i jess journals and i'm always i'm always asking her for advice because i'm it's a really it's always been a really hard task for me 
but it's one for you to give us absolutely my journaling yeah. has always been my therapy so when you talked about it that way i'm like yes i a thousand percent yeah. agree like what i mean i'm, I'm just I, i'm curious to know like what what do you recommend where do people start when it comes to journaling um and you know what are those best practices that we can implement i i actively teach that you should learn yourself through journaling by asking yourself questions. When we are getting to know someone that we are interested in, when you go on a date with someone, you ask them questions because you like them. You're interested in them. How many times do people ask themselves questions and actually get to know themselves? So that's, that's, that's an easy exercise to start. Ask yourself random questions. Why do I like this? Why am I attracted to this? Even the most mundane things, such as what's your favorite color? You know how kids always ask that when they want to make a new friend? They always want to ask, what's, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite sport? You know, these are the basic questions of making friends since we are children, right? Have you ever asked yourself that? Honestly, no. This is like... I, I journal almost every day and I'm like, I've never even done that. So this is a great challenge for me. <laughs> so I, that is how I really learned myself. I was traveling alone. I was writing letters to the men I have loved. And I started asking myself that question. Who am I now? I was, I was seeking answers because I, my life had turned upside down with that breakup. And I was asking myself, who am I? I know who I was, or at least I think I know who I was before I, I got together with him. But then now I'm, I'm not the same person. I don't even dress the same way how I used to dress in Miami. You know, I changed completely. Who am I? Why is it? But I always knew that the essence of who I am was always there without him with him the essence was always there and i realized i need to discover what is my soul's essence what is my essence so i started asking myself all kinds of questions and let me tell you people watching especially when you're traveling alone makes the best the best questions come up when you mm. see other people react to things. So, see so then people, ask questions and ask people questions, watching. People watching, get out of the house, get out of the house. I understand that a lot of times, you know, people don't live in areas where there's much people watching, but go to museums, go to a park, sit, sit in a bench of a park. I'm sure people will go. Listen, uh, observe this observe, right now for COVID, so. Everyone and their mama's out in the park at this time. Yes. Plenty of opportunities to watch people there. I mean, you can, you can, anywhere you go, you can take the time to observe. I observe people at the supermarket. I, I, I've written poems about other people. I observe how people interact with each other. I observe everything and I ask myself, oh, would you, would you do that? What that person just did? And I'm always in a constant conversation in my head. And sometimes I write it on my phone. Oh, wow. Like something that really impacts me. And then I go back at night and I expand on it. But 
I believe the key to truly learning yourself is learning yourself by the same way you learn other people, by asking them questions. When that. you break up with someone, at least for, with me, when I've broken up with someone, I always say this, oh my God, I know him better than, than he knows himself. I, I know him better than his own family. You know, <laughs> you always think the partner always thinks that they know the person better than anyone else. I know you, you know, you know, when you argue, I know you, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> and guess what? What if we had the same confidence to say that about ourselves? You're challenging me. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I hope I'm challenging to. I haven't even started. I, know. I need to start. You got to jump in. You got to jump in. I got to jump in. And, and let me tell you, once you start that process, it's like an entire world opens up. You start understanding who you are and why you do the things you do. You start not only understanding your personality, but you start understanding and seeing the areas that you need to work on the most. Mm -hmm. You also start um, to accept yourself. And that's the most important thing. Everybody always talks about self-love. Love yourself, love yourself. Okay, but how do you love yourself? You know, you have to accept yourself first. The only way you accept yourself is by seeing who you are without, you know, without blindfolds. You have to see who you truly are as if you're looking at yourself in a mirror without judgment, without judgment. And once you start accepting that person, then that's when the confidence is going to build. Is there one question, one uh, fast, um, easy thing for someone to do tomorrow morning when they wake up and they journal? Be grateful, be grateful. Start and, off and, and with write. Yes. Mm. Write everything you are grateful for. Mm. Everything you are grateful for. And be honest. No one is watching you. Everything you are grateful for. Awesome. That I is love that. something you should do every single day. That opens the door for peace, for, for appreciating your circumstances, even if they don't seem, like I said before, it's all about perspective. The moment you begin to be grateful and practice gratitude, man, the blessings come. Awesome. Thank you so much for this. We would love it if we can end this also with you maybe sharing one of your uh, quotes from your latest book or a quote that, um, you know, you would, is really, you know, kind of sitting with you right now or you're sitting with it or that you really enjoy. Sure. Um, I, could sh I could read a poem from my new book, 18 Inches the distance between the heart and the mind. I always like to tell people that 18 inches is, is if you walk your fingers from your heart to your head, it's the average distance in most human beings. Some people it's 17 and a half, some people it's 18 and a half. And um, so this book is about decisions that I've made with my heart and with my head and the in-between. And I'll read a poem that I, I love many poems from this book. And I love particularly the prose as well. I think it's my best work as a writer. And, um, but I'll share this one because it goes a lot with what we were just talking about. The desire to be understood is always rooted in the desire to be loved. The desire to be loved is rooted in the desire to be accepted. When will I stop seeking desires and begin to recognize that no one will love me more than I can?
No one will understand my inner havoc more than I can. Why do I seek in humans what already exists inside of me? Because the world lied to me and I believed it. Wow, that's beautiful. So beautiful and yeah, that's encompassing so everything you shared with, uh, with us today. You know, your perspective on love and self and power is just incredible. And so I just thank you again for sharing your time. Thank your you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you loved this episode and this convo as much as we did. Of course, you can always find out more about our guests and the podcast on our Instagram at WaitHoldsUpPod. Or if you want to email us, email hola at WaitHoldsUpPodcast.com. Thank you again for rocking with us, for listening, for giving us your time and energy. You guys are really the best. If you can, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's super, super, super helpful. And it makes sure that more people get to see us um, and learn more about the podcast. So we would appreciate that. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye.